Welcome to Short Course, Episode 30, for August 24th, 2018. I'm your host, Ben Barry. This week on the podcast, I'm answering questions that you guys sent in, so we'll dive right in. The first one is from Brendan F. via email, and his question is, if you're squatted with people that can run more than 10 in a mag, do you follow their stage plan and do static reloads, or do you run something different? So implicit in the question, you're shooting production, 10-round mags, maybe you're shooting single stack, 10-round mags. But if you have somebody else on your squad or a couple other people on your squad and they're running a stage plan that, if you ran it, would involve a standing reload, do you do you follow their stage plan? And the answer in general, I'm going to say, is no. My, my attitude is a stage plan, generally speaking, is... A stage plan is is a consequence of a series of observations about a stage. So you may notice, oh, it's easy to take this pos- this target from this position, or if you come in at this angle on that port, then you can pick up this target while you're setting up. Those kinds of observations tend to inform a stage plan. And so if you can get at those sort of assumptions, you know, those those observations, and factor them into a production-friendly stage plan, that's what I try and do. So if I look at somebody and I see them planning something different and I have time before, you know, it's my turn to shoot, I might ask them, I might just go stand at the spot where they were standing and they did something unexpected and just look and see if I can see what they were seeing. But, you know, all, all other things being equal, I'll just go up to them and, and say, you know, Hey, I, I saw you're doing this, you know, what, what do you, what's your thought there? What do you, what's your thought process? What are you thinking about that? And if they provide something that that I hadn't seen or add some nuance, then I might adjust my stage plan. But in general, I today don't tend to adopt people's other people's stage plans whole hog. That said, as a learning experience, I certainly think this this would be kind of interesting. If you happen to be on a stage with some high cap shooters, then if you just had somebody who would tell you their stage plan and you just wanted to run it, I'm sure, especially, especially as a newer shooter, let's be, I mean, let's be honest, 32 round stages. There's, there's a lot of planning that goes into those. There's a lot of detail that goes into it. And so if you are pretty early, if it's your first five or 10 matches, sure. You know, just, just copying someone's stage plan and just doing standing reloads may end up being a more straightforward way to get through the stage than, than trying to come up with a a stage plan on your own. And honestly, you'll probably learn something interesting. You'll probably see, Oh, okay. I see how they, you know, combined these two positions. Now, maybe as a low cap production shooter, if you combine those two positions, you end up doing a standing reload. But if it's a learning experience, I think that's okay. If this is something that you're doing at a match where you value the outcome, where you are trying to compete and be competitive, then I, I think in general, no, no, I, I wouldn't do this. And the, the main reason for that is just the fact that in production, a standing reload is almost certainly going to cost you one and a half to two seconds at best. And if you can avoid that, then you you can usually make up the time somewhere else, even if it does mean chopping up another position to be a little bit weird. Now that said, sometimes You'll see a high cap guy run a, a stage plan, especially at club matches where sometimes the best way to shoot it, because the match directors may not have fully debugged the stage and put up an extra barrel or something to block it, the best way to shoot a, a, a given stage may be to post up at one spot and, and shoot 12 shots. 
And if you see a high cap shooter do that, then, then yeah, I mean, if that, if that opens your eyes and you see it makes more sense just to do the standing reload than to, than to try and do some goofy thing where you take an extra shot all the way from the back of the shooting area. And then that gives you more rounds at the end. That stuff, that stuff is even worse than doing a standing reload in my opinion. Now, an example of that would be a, a stage that I shot at the the SFE match uh, two weeks ago. And this was a stage where you started in the back left corner of the shooting area, and it was a, a rectangular shooting area stretching off to your right. But you step forward into the shooting area, and you could see two steel targets. Move to the next position, you could see four steel targets. And then you move to the next position... And if you set up right, you could see two more steel targets. So a total of eight steel so far. And then on the other side of a wall that you would have to bring your gun in almost maybe a foot from your body and then punch it back out on the other side of that wall were, were two paper targets. And so if you just did the math to shoot that stage, you would shoot two, four, and then six. And that's 12 rounds. And then after that, you moved on, shot the rest of the stage, and there were four more rounds at the end. But what I ended up choosing to do was to basically do a standing reload at that third position. So I shot two, I shot the the first two steel at the first position, the four steel at the second position, and then the two steel at the third position. And not, maybe I shimmied my feet a little bit, but nothing, nothing meaningful to the stage. But I pulled the gun in as I was pulling it in around that wall, I did essentially that that standing reload because it was a 16 round stage that let me split up the stage into eight and eight and any other option would have just it would have just been even more goofy i could have gone the other way around the shooting area and shot eight shots on paper and then two on steel and then done a reload but then i'd be doing a lot of extra movement and shooting to 10 on steel where just being able to shoot a nice, confident eight and eight plan in production, especially with that first magazine being eight shots on eight mini poppers. Like I mentioned last week, partialed behind white barrels at 10 yards. So not super far, but not super close either. It just, it worked out to, to do that quasi standing reload because the, the way that the stage was set up, you, I could have come up with other plans, but they just would have been a little crazy. So in general, avoid standing reloads where you can. Certainly I wouldn't copy a stage plan or or borrow a stage plan if it had one in it. But if you can talk to the the high cap shooter and and ask him sort of what what he's thinking and, and try and bring those elements into a stage plan that maybe involves taking a slightly different target order, but skips the standing reload. I I'd, I'd try for that. So the second question is from Mike J. He's a he's a good friend of mine. Shoots around here. We've shot together for years, actually. Uh, but he had a he has a really good question, which was he says one issue that he's identified was that was slowing him down on every stage is reloads while moving. Tilly said to me at a match to finish the reload on the first two or last two steps while moving. I've been practicing this weekly since May. It hasn't fully transferred over to the match from practice yet, as I have to actively think about it to do it. My question is, whenever you are trying to fix or add something in your game, how long should you expect to work on it until it becomes automatic on match day? 
For reference, I've been working on it a minimum of two practice sessions a week, both live fire and dry fire, since May. So this is a really interesting question because I, I realized I kind of have three answers to it. The, the, the knee-jerk first reaction is you can't really put a number on it because how long it takes you to change a habit depends on how long it took you to build it. And so if you have been training your reloads one particular way for years— and Mike has, Mike's been, I, I know personally that he's been dry firing and live firing seriously for, like I said, years. It it takes a while. If you have 10,000 reps on something, it's going to take a significant fraction of 10,000 to overwrite the old programming. So that, that's kind of the first answer. It's, it's, it's all dependent on how much practice you have on the old way. And so you can't necessarily say that something is going to take a certain amount of time or a certain amount of practice. It it all depends on how long you've been practicing the old way. But my second thought was sometimes it's also, there's also a factor that there are changing, there's adding nuances to a technique and then there's changing an old technique. And generally speaking, what I found is when I try and change a technique, particularly to address a bad habit, something like, pulling the trigger sideways so my shots go nine o'clock left into the hardcover, then that never really goes away. It just gets trimmed back. It's like a hedge that, that you can't quite kill, but you can just keep it at bay and you just have to do a certain amount of maintenance on it. Uh, another one for me is just wanting to pull off targets too early. So I'll see the sight picture and and start to move my arms before I actually pull the trigger. And so I end up yanking the shot ever so slightly off target. Usually this happens on medium to long distance steel, but that, that bad habit of as soon as I see the sight picture, because that's what I'm used to looking for in dry fire, as soon as I see the sight picture in live fire, I'm already starting to move my arms to the next target before the trigger has even, before I even worked the trigger. And things like that, bad habits like that, just, they never really go away. They, they just pop back up when you least expect them and when you've stopped training against them. And so in that sense, you just want to bake in a little bit of training on that into whatever your cycle is. So once a week, remember, hey, this is a problem. So work on that for 20 minutes and dry fire, something like that. But really the third answer that that as I've thought about this even more is May is it, May has been a long time to be really focusing on something like this. So it's it's the end of August now. So if we call that, say, three three months, three months is a good amount of time to to make a change, especially on something like this where it's not it's not necessarily a subtle change. It's not pulling the trigger slightly differently. It's not aligning the sights slightly differently. It's it's sort of a a gross motor skill, for lack of a better term. It's choosing what to prioritize during a stage and then making that happen. And so to me, on reflection on this, on reading the question again, really what I would say is I would look at the training and what it is that that you're doing to try and work on this problem. And obviously this applies to other issues aside from, from just reloading as you leave a position. But if you're not if you're not seeing some kind of tangible results within I don't know, a week or two of serious dry fire. If you're dry firing a couple times or more a week and you're you're working on some drills to, to try and make progress on something and it's not 
you don't feel like it's making a difference, start start thinking of different ways to practice that. Start trying different things. And when it starts to click, I think you'll I think you'll probably feel it. And honestly, even saying a week or two might be might be a little bit generous. I know for me, a lot of times in practice, I I can run a drill and be trying, you know, some new way to pull the trigger or grip the gun or push out of position. And pretty easily I can tell like, no, this is actively counterproductive. This is, this is not helping. This is significantly weaker. This is significantly less reliable. And so sometimes it it can be as quick as even one dry fire session. But if you're, if you dry fire on something for a week or two, and then you go to a match and you're not seeing results there, then then that's when you start to think, okay, maybe maybe I need to change up how I'm practicing this. And so in this particular scenario, I would I would say start trying to think outside the box. Even start with a drill where you start gun on the target and at the buzzer, all you do is drop the mag, reload in the next two steps while you move, say, five yards to another box and just have one target. And you just dry fire two shots on that second target and that's it. And really just, just make that almost as, as dumb and isolated and simple as it can be. And just really hone in on that and emphasize that one skill in pure isolation and change it up enough that you don't just sort of get into a, an automatic repetition mode. So do 10 or 20 reps one way or five minutes, however you want to break it up and then do 10 or 20 reps. So do 10 or 20 reps left to right and then right to left and then maybe diagonal forward left and diagonal forward right and just keep changing it up so you're not just you're not just repeating something that you've already learned but get used to changing the the scenario just enough while keeping the core skill in in the in the middle of the drill the same so i I would say change up the practice if you're not seeing results after three months i'd say start getting radical with with how you're training it and think outside of the box with, you know, like I said, stuff like start, start with the gun in your hand, just simplify the drill as far as possible and then work back up within that. Something else that I wanted to talk about on the podcast is something that came up during the practical shooting after dark podcast. And I have to talk about it just because I can't, (laughs) it's one of those things that you hear and you're like, yes, that is true. And it just, it's gotten stuck in my head all week and I've just been thinking about how it applies in different situations. So the particular topic was in the episode 10 of Practical Shooting After Dark. And it was Ben Steger's rant. And the rant was, which honestly I felt like could have been the whole episode, but he only talked about it for a couple of minutes. But the rant was the idea that the drill is not the procedure or the procedure is not the drill. So you can have two drills where, and he talked about this on, on the episode, go go listen to, to him talking about it, or you can look it up on YouTube if you just want to hear that, that segment. But the idea is you can have two drills where if you just look at them on paper, both drills are basically draw and shoot six rounds on the paper in the A zone in whatever the time is, in the best time you can or whatever. But you by by changing the drill, if you just have one that's a build drill, with a wide open target and you have another where everything but the a zone is hardcover for example then the procedure might look the same but the drill is completely different the procedure might say draw and shoot six alphas 
but the the focus of the drill, both in the the way it's constructed, the consequences just based on the target, but also the focus that you take into the drill, the things you're looking for in the drill, that's what will actually drive your your success and your improvement. And Ponce Kim said something in in response to that, quoting a sports researcher that said that the difference between a gym rat lifting weights and a weightlifter seriously trying to improve is that the weightlifter isn't just moving the bar. He isn't just lifting the weight from the start position to the end position type of thing. He's actually focusing on a particular muscle or a particular motion or a particular exertion and monitoring that for feedback and just generally focusing on more than just completing the drill. And I thought that was that was really interesting, or actually completing the rep in that case. I thought that was really interesting because that rings so true with my own experience in practice, both in live fire and dry fire, which is that just setting the timer for an arbitrary par time that's a tenth faster or two tenths faster or half a second faster, whatever your goal is, just trying to set that that arbitrary time and then speed up to hit it. So if you've got a five second El Prez trying to do a four and a half and just doing that by just trying to go 10% faster, that doesn't work in my experience. When you try and take the same fundamental techniques and just speed them up and just put more gas on the fire, they, they tend to come apart. And instead, when you do a drill with a focus on something, when you try and shave those tenths off your El Prez by monitoring your grip during the turn and draw and then how that grip has downstream effects throughout the rest of the drill. And then trying to observe that, go through the drill, do it multiple times. Each rep, you'll you'll grip the gun a little bit differently and so you can observe some good, some bad, and try and see things from that. But when you when you don't just go through the motions, when you don't just enact the procedure, do what's listed on the on the sheet in a whatever your time is, but you, you use the drill and then you pick something to focus on as you go through the repetitions of that drill in your practice, that's where the real gains are made. And that's where progress is made because you can monitor that subtle thing for feedback and learn from it and learn that when you get your grip slightly too high or slightly too low or too far around the gun or not far enough around the gun, this is what it feels like. This is how the sights move in reaction to that. When you go to do the reload, if your hand is in the wrong place, maybe you have a problem hitting the magazine button. And all of that is just a downstream consequence of focusing on not necessarily trying to make a conscious change to the way you're gripping the gun, although maybe you are trying to do that, but just as you go through the drill, having that focus and trying to really put your mind into into that one thing, not just, not just trying to do all the things 10% faster but actually going through each component of each drill and trying to find something that you can learn about each piece. And so, and then to tie this back to what Steger was talking about, the idea that you can do different drills that seem similar, but with slight tweaks or even doing the same live fire drill, but with a different emphasis, you can actually learn something very different. And so, just as a random example, I don't know if this would be a good drill. It's not something I've done, but it comes to mind. Let's say you wanted to do a build drill, but your emphasis was on trying to get the splits between every shot as consistent as possible. 
or let's say you want to do a build drill, but you're trying to focus on getting the first shot off as soon as possible. Even though it's the same sort of procedure, by changing the focus of the drill, by changing the piece that you're working on, you can get a radically different experience and learn something different. And the interesting slash dangerous thing about that is there's almost an unlimited number of combinations of drills and focuses that that you can practice. And so you could certainly almost drive yourself mad with trying to try all the different combinations. But when I think back on my experience and the times that I've made speed gains, I, I generally speaking have not noticed that I get that much faster just trying to go faster. The way that I get faster is I understand each motion, each small component of the drill better, and I can either do it with greater precision or I can come at it with more speed, but in in a particular way. I'm not just trying to do everything faster. In in the case of a, a draw, maybe I'm getting my hand to the gun faster, but that gives me more time to really establish the grip, and I'm not trying to speed the whole thing up. I'm trying to speed the hand of the gun, and then the gun out of the holster maybe stays the same speed, but gets more consistent or stronger or, or a better placement, that kind of thing. And so this even ties back to the, the question from Mike about reloading when leaving position before you start to move. You may not even necessarily need to change the drills you're doing, but if you go into doing them with a different focus, with not even necessarily thinking about the reload, but thinking about some small subcomponent of the reload and getting a feeling for making sure that your thumb is on the mag button before you, say, put your first foot down to move, something like that. Some Start really drilling in and not just not just complying with the procedure, not just saying, oh, okay, this is a reload while moving drill. You know, if I just do a thousand reps on this, then then I'll learn it. And I'm not saying that that's what Mike is doing, but when I hear about people in general who are dry firing a lot and, and burning out, I start to wonder if this is what's missing from their practice. If they're going out and they're just trying to, to do reps and just build muscle memory and think that if you just get enough reps in, then you'll naturally get faster. That, that just has not been my experience. As best I can tell, the most of my speed gains have come from this kind of running a drill with a certain focus, tinkering around with the particular way I want to do something until I discover a faster, more consistent, more reliable fundamental way to do it, not just ratcheting up the speed 10%. So definitely something to think about and take into your own practice and just play around with this week. Just don't just do the drill, understand the focus, try and figure out what the the really core underlying idea of the drill is and focus on that and see what improvements you can make. Don't just try and do reps to get faster. Well, that wraps up this episode of Short Course. Keep sending your questions to podcast at barryshooting.com, and I'll do another Q&A show whenever I have enough. You can follow me on Facebook at Ben Barry Shooting and Instagram at BS Barry. Talk to you next time.